And I would rank 100 songs, and I would rank 100 more, just to be the pod who ranked the Beatles songs when they were really bored. Da la da, da da la da, da 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 da. Yes, yes. Who doesn't love that song? It's a jam. It's a classic jam. An absolute classic. It's such a good song. Yeah. It's. I, I probably have heard that song 500 times in right. my life, probably <laughs> significantly more than that. Um, and whenever you guys play it at Big in the 90s shows, I absolutely lose my mind for some reason. It's, it's just a jam. so good. I'm it's just a like, jam. Da, da, da. I lose my voice. And I'm glad that you usually do it at the end should of the- should get the proclaimers on the show. Can we do that? I'll, I'll see what I can find. <laughs> can you rustle them up? I'll see what I can do. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Ranking the Beatles. It's a very special day because this is episode 100. We've done 100 of these. Yeah, Holy cow. It feels like it. <laughs> Good grief, man. I'm just kidding. You Harsh. Know I give you a hard time. You? No. Never. Um, what? But man, we this is 100 episodes, episode 100. I am uh, delightfully happy that we've done this 100 times. I did not expect us to make it more than 20. Oh, really? Then we made it 20. <gasps> then we made it 50. And the stat, the science says if you make it to 50, you're like 300 times more likely to complete whatever your task is in podcast world. Wow. Um, I don't know what the percentage jumps to at 100, hmm. but... I haven't done many things a hundred times, so I'm pretty uh, proud of us for a hundred episodes of Ranking the Beatles. High five. Good job. Well done. Excellent. Uh, Friends, thank you all for being here. Thank you for continuing to listen to this uh, absurd little thing that we do. Uh, We hope you guys are all doing well and enjoying uh, this current batch of episodes this season. I think it's season number six, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Go with I just click the next number whenever yeah. I upload it, and it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, everything's going well. Julia, how are you today, my dear? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. I just had some Doritos. Ooh. <laughs> I know you guys wanted to know that. <laughs> and that explains the smile on your face. You love your Doritos. I needed a little after work pre-pod snack. Sure. So I leaned on Doritos. That's okay. Thank That's Doritos. what they're there for. That, ranking the Beatles, sponsored by Doritos. Oh. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm okay. Went for a, a good run this morning Ooh. and uh, feeling okay. Excellent. Yeah. Um, but very, very excited for our 100th episode. Very, very excited for our 100th guest. Yes. Although I don't think it is our 100th guest. Because I know. Okay. There are a couple where you we didn't have a guest, but... But yes, I'm excited for our guest I'm on episode one hundred. One hundred guest. Yes, there, I fixed it. Well done, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> um, y'all. Our guest this week is an award-winning songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and producer based out of Atlanta, Georgia, by way of New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, that we've actually never met prior to this. Uh, in 2019, he was named best songwriter by Creative Loafing Magazine in their Best of Atlanta Awards. He's also a passionate lover of musical theater and has been a resident musical director and musical improviser at Dad's Garage Theater Company in Atlanta uh, since 2012. 
He's an advertising agency veteran who's put his music to use for a number of campaigns, but where you may have heard his voice is as the creator of Puppy Songs, possibly one of my favorite online finds of the last couple of years. Uh, Puppy Songs, uh, he creates original songs for his dogs, Lenny and Marley, a.k.a. Marpup, uh, as well as sometimes uh, guest pups, uh, and with over half a million fans around the world. And hopefully this will double after their appearance on Reagan the Beatles. Um, his puppy songs are quite often the, the songs you hear playing in people's posts on social media about their own dogs. Uh, you'll see them on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, he was just featured on NPR in a story about puppy songs. So now he's gone from NPR and climbed to the top of the mountain here at Ranking the Beatles. So very, I'm excited for him as oh, well. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Every, yeah. Everyone's going to click unsubscribe right Probably. now. Um, but y'all... <laughs> Puppy songs, if if you have a dog and you love your dog the way that we love our dogs and you sing songs to them, imagine if someone actually, like, created those songs. That's what puppy songs is. Like, flesh them out. Yes. Like, we make up ridiculous songs about our dogs, but there's no music behind them. Right. It's just us making up dumb lyrics. Yeah. But he's got brilliant lyrics. They're actual full-on songs. With music behind them. Yeah, full-on yeah. songs. I think we actually found him and puppy songs through, like, a compilation video of that was using my tongues hanging out a little bit blip yes in the background and you <laughs> yes. were like what is this genius <laughs> and you went down a rabbit hole and then we spent the next hour watching everything that he well, created <laughs> i felt that i had real I, I realized in that moment that i had basically pursued music the wrong way for the last 20 years mm. i should have gone this route Probably. years ago um but it's okay i kneel to I kneel to him for this. This is obviously his his calling. Uh, but y'all, these songs are funny. They're fun. They're insanely catchy. And when I found out he was from New Orleans, I had to reach out to him just to say hello um, and eventually to lure him in to ranking the Beatles. So really excited to talk to him today. Y'all, please welcome to the show, Matt Hobbs. Matt, welcome to ranking the Beatles. How are you, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm so excited to have you here. We were just talking about um how you know puppy songs has been one of my favorite things i've discovered on the internet in the last few years um so you've definitely put a lot of smiles in our house and i we both want to thank you for that oh wow uh, honestly awesome. like, thank you <laughs> every time you post something new and i like if i have been out of the house to work or gone somewhere and I come home he's like did you see a new puppy song today and I'm like no I've been driving like, you, I'm not gonna look at it when I'm driving he's like okay come sit down that's good like that's good yesterday she came home and she was in kind of a grumpy mood and I was like have you seen the cheese tax yet she's like what it's like the new puppy song is Cheese Tax. And that frown turned upside down real fast. It sure did. I was oh, like, that makes me so happy to the hear. Accuracy, oh, that's awesome. The accuracy is so good. Before we get into puppy songs, I kind of want to ask, you know, because like I also yeah. mentioned in our intro, you know, you're from New Orleans as well. And we have never yeah. met prior to this. Um, but I'm yeah. curious to know, what's kind of your musical background? Where do you come from musically? That's a great question. I grew up in New Orleans where, you know, Music is everywhere. Music is a big part of the culture, everyone participating in it. So despite that, my family was not musical. Uh, no musicians to be found. Uh, I was a little kiddo, six or seven years old, watch the Disney movie or hear the song in church, and then uh, pick out melodies with mm -hmm. one finger on the little toy keyboard, 
Um, both my grandparents, also in uh, in River Ridge, had pianos in their house, and I was fascinated by that. Apparently, um, so I, I just played by ear for a long time, uh, playing piano, and then I uh, took some lessons. I went to River Ridge Music School after school for a little while. I think that's still there. I believe so. Um, <laughs> took lessons. Took lessons with a, a family friend for a little while. Um, you know, I, I played piano and, and guitar, and then I saw people at Mardi Gras playing the trumpet. I said, how hard could that be? It's only got three buttons. <laughs> um, it's, and then I got braces, and oh, that God. stopped. Yeah. Uh, so so I've, I've dabbled a lot coming up as a musician. Um, just like I, I was passionate about playing piano. I wanted to write and sing. Um, when, when all the music went on the internet, I discovered Ben Folds, yeah. which completely rocked my world in like mm -hmm. 2001. And so I stopped. I stopped learning um, etude in E flat. I didn't <laughs> didn't care anymore, um, and started figuring out how how to play uh, One Angry Dwarf. So it became it became that kind of thing. I had a band in college in Gainesville, Florida, and I've just never quit. I've always had projects, mm. um, um, but that's I don't know. I've 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 dabbled and just continued to mess with the stuff. Is probably the best way to yeah describe it. Ben Folds, what were your other kind of touchstones coming up? So growing up, my mom in the van had three tapes, at least that I can remember. One was uh, Bette Midler's soundtrack to the movie Beaches. Amazing. Which, <laughs> which was there. Uh, it was, it was, like, it was, it was wild, there. and I knew those songs. Uh, I mean, I was like a kid. Just like knowing Bette Midler, but it was cool. Great performances. Sure. I'm sorry, she also had Barry no Manilow. Slander of the wind beneath my wings on this podcast. <laughs> that no was slander. one of the first ones. Oh yeah. <laughs> have Powerful you ever seen stuff. Beaches? I've not seen Beaches. What? But my God, okay. I know the song. Wait, have you seen Beaches, Matt? I've seen it a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. It's been a while. Okay, I'm gonna make you watch. I should have just said yes and lied. You should have because <laughs> now I'm gonna make you watch it. Great. You watched Steel Magnolias and you enjoyed it. I did enjoy Steel Magnolias. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Beaches is not Steel Magnolias. You watch the Beatles anthology. I'll watch Beaches with you. How Shit. about that? Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Damn. Okay. So continue. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Barry Manilow. So we have so beaches, beaches in the car. <laughs> uh, we also had the best of Barry Manilow and yeah. uh, the best of Billy Joel. My favorite was the best of Billy Joel. Sure. Uh, that was the one I loved. And so uh, Billy Joel was an early influence. My gramps uh, used to own a number of restaurants and diners in Kenner. Oh, cool. And by the time he retired, one of the things he kept were jukeboxes oh, that played wow. 45s. So lots of classic country. One of my favorite songs was Anybody Going to San Antone by Charlie Pride oh, uh, when I, I was a kid. It. And I loved um, all the Fats Domino stuff. There was a lot of Fats Domino on those jukeboxes. Blueberry Hill was the one I always wanted to listen to when I was a wee lad. And so a whole mess of influences. And then, you know, 2001, I listened to, you know, internet music. with Ben Folds. It was Death Cab for Cutie. It was uh, a lot of stuff in that world. Mm -hmm. A lot of strokes, Franz Ferdinand, kind of the stuff that was happening at the time. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, since then, it's lots more musical theater and folk <laughs> music and jazz and all kind of stuff. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. Um, and I know, and you've done so, you've done some advertising work as well, musically, yeah. right? What kind of stuff have, have. You, have you done with that? I know on your website there's one for for Aaron's, uh, the yeah. rental place, which is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, my buddy works for them, works for an agency that they work with, and 
Apparently they pitched him a number of ideas for a holiday campaign a couple years ago. And there's always a whammy in the pitch. They're like, here's something that we could do that's familiar, A, B, C. And then D is like, and what if we do an animated musical? And, and they said, <laughs> let's go. So he called, he called me. We wrote that, uh, put that out. And we reran it this year with updated lyrics and a, and a different arrangement. Um, that's probably some of the biggest stuff I've done in like traditional advertising. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of like brand partnerships with pet brands and songs that are on TikTok. Yeah. In the last couple of years for sure. kind of the new, new jingle world. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that obviously brings us up to, up to present with, with puppy songs. What was kind of the origin of that? How did that start for you? So I've been messing with trying to get people to listen to my music on the internet for a while. Um, I put out a solo record in 16 that I was really proud of at the time. Um, but it's hard to get stuff to stick. And oh, so yeah. I was like re reading these books and like trying to catch up on just like, what's this, you know, online presence, online brand. Cause it's really hard being like my name's first name, last name. And this is a song about something I care about that. I hope you do. Most of that won't be, won't, won't resonate with people just by yeah. virtue of like, you know, things not crossing. So I was kind of frustrated with that. Uh, and so I was messing with uh, a project uh, that, I don't know, I just wanted to like take a song that I was singing to my pet, my dog, who's Mar Pup, and I sang it like live, just me singing to Mar. It's the first puppy song. It's called I'm a Little Pup. And so uh, I, I sang it and then I was like, I'm gonna see if I can make a track around that. And this is like 2019. I, I had never produced my own stuff. I wanted more repetitions practicing, producing and arranging and mixing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so um, it wasn't really on a click. It was pretty wild. So I went in and I made a little track. It did okay. And then I did another one and I just had fun making them and I had fun giving myself challenges to like figure out how to do it. Um, I had a full-time job in plumbing. I worked for an online plumbing wholesaler for the bulk of the teens. And then I left summer of 19 to do more music. Um, I didn't get very far into that time before the pandemic hit. So instead of playing shows, gigs, all the ecosystem collapsed other than me and Logic Pro and yeah. Marley and Lenny. Yeah. So I uh, just kept doing it. I got really lucky. I got so lucky. The puppy song's name was available everywhere. Wow. Like, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah. Like, that was a gift. Like yeah. I have no, I got it on every platform. I have it everywhere for the most part. And like that helped, I think a good name helped and it mm -hmm. helped diffuse some of the like, hi, my name's first name, last name. Cause it's just, it's really hard to stand out. Um, so puppy songs was a way to sneak songs out there. Um, right. Like the, the silly stuff. Cause I remember when I was in a band, uh, I was in a band called Jesse and the great perhaps for a while, right after I moved, uh, to Atlanta and we were like serious, like indie big arrangement stuff and we used to do these joke songs improvised joke songs one of them was about a goose and we do these like serious shows at atlanta venues people would come up and they're like you're so funny you should make kids songs and i was like <laughs> 24 and i was like no dude we're like we're way serious we're not doing that like and it's funny because like i think people could see something that i couldn't yeah um mm -hmm. and so i finally like gave in to the silliness that's kind of just me yeah and uh, went all straight at it. And it's just been a crazy ride ever since. I um, 
I don't know. It's it's a scary thing because it's so much like me. It is it is the way I think. It's the jokes I make. It's the songs I sing to my dogs when no one's around. Yeah. So there's a vulnerability <laughs> to it. Yeah. Um, but my favorite part has been learning that everybody does that. Yeah. Everybody sings to their dogs. <laughs> and it's this whole pantheon of music that never gets shared. Right. Uh, so... <laughs> So it's cool to like start that conversation more than anything and then just see how folks respond. Yeah, that's that's super cool, man. You know, and I feel like that's it, there's such a great kind of freedom in having that real that moment of like learning that other side of yourself exists and like trusting it to see where it takes you because it's yeah. kind of we're kind of programmed to not give in to those like kind of more natural things that like just are us. I guess we tend to want to put forward what we think is the most sellable version of ourselves. And, you know, when you can find a way to actually be successful with putting out your actual self like that, that's kind of the best, the best thing you can hope for, I think. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a cool part of the journey because it's a, it's a, it's just a part of an artist's life and I'm not really trying to imitate anybody. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I mean, I was in a piano trio while I was in college trying to be Ben Fultz five, like yeah. explicitly, I wrote those kinds of songs. We played like them. We acted like them. I mean, like in the grand cycle of imitation to assimilation, I just used to do a lot of imitation and this is kind of a, yeah, just a personal, I don't know, a personal show. It's weird. It's, it's fun though. I still like writing other songs and yeah. songs that are longer, longer than 20 seconds. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But this has been a, just a unique way because also it's just it's a product. It's a product. Mm -hmm. It's I make a product and it's a product that um, I enjoy making every song I make at some point, either during the mix or the edit or while I'm cutting vocals or something. I'm always like, this is so ridiculous. Like, I, <laughs> I have to like take the headphones off and I'm just like, and my poor wife is in the other room of Thursdays, Fridays. She works from home uh, when I'm recording here or not at the other studio. And, uh, and she's like, what are like, what is this one about? Because <laughs> layering background vocals just sounds Absur insane. Absurd, if, absurd. Yeah. If, if you're not if you're not used to that, you're just mm -hmm. like, ah. especially because I do lots of ad libs. Yeah. And lots of oh yeah, and then like I'm do it again, and I'm just all this stuff. Like, it sounds bonkers. Um, but she's very supportive and wonderful, and oh, I love <laughs> I'm it. really lucky. I'm lucky to have the character known as Mom. Yes, from Aww. the uh, from the Puppy Songs universe. Oh, I love it. As someone that is not a musician who has been in the studio and around the house, like when you've been recording here, it does sound completely unhinged. Like when yeah, how are you someone... screaming in the other room? <laughs> yeah, or just like the I can never envision what all of the bits will sound like at the end and I'm so impressed with people that can like your brain and your brain I'm pointing to Matt Johnson sorry people <laughs> can't see me um, but like I'm so impressed with your brains that you can hear what you want it to be and then break that down to all the little parts that are needed to make that final product like I just there's no way I could ever do that and I, I just think it's so cool so oh, thank you. like congrats to both of you for having the cool brains oh well, thanks <laughs> Thanks. Um, how many Thanks. puppy songs have you done so far? Good question. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I think I'm looking. I'm looking behind me at my mad scientist post-it. I was going to ask: Are all those um, ideas for for new songs? Um, these are 
the weatherman here. Weatherman. Here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait, there we go. Okay. These are ideas for songs as well as a bunch on my desktop here. Um, what's behind me there is, is for a listeners, calendar. it's like a sea of post-it notes behind yeah. behind him. And then these are uh, Matt Hobbs music stuff, not related to uh, puppy songs. Yeah. Uh, but I th- I think this was 156. I wow. think Cheese Tax, Cheese Tax, which came out Tuesday, which I um, am, can, am happy to report may already be the biggest song we've ever done. Dude, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah, um, I'm trying to keep up with it, and yeah. uh, it, it it hit it hit 7.7 million on TikTok. Holy crap! Today, wow. and the, and our and our bests in the past have have scraped two or three after a few weeks. Yeah. Um. So wow. it, it's it's wild. So 156, I think, and I have 157 in the can. It's coming mm. soon, and I got nothing after that. So we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to figure something out. But that's that's usually you, uh, how it goes. You go on a break. <laughs> Yeah. That's what we do at the podcast. We're like, we're going on break, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Usually because like we're exhausted and we have no other episodes planned. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of episodes, I heard that today might be a pretty special episode it for Ranking is. the Beatles podcast. We're very excited. It's episode 100, which Ooh. I'm kind of shocked that we've done because yeah. I don't know Ooh. that I've done many things 100 times, but very <laughs> proud of ourselves. Thank you. Congrats. Thank you. I do feel like it's you know a pretty big deal. We accomplished a lot that's a hundred episodes i know like think of all the time you put in all your you do all the research i'm like think of all the time you put in (laughs) (laughs) you do a solid half hour before we tape (laughs) just listening to the song and putting notes in the phone putting something pithy in my phone (laughs) to to say later on and uh yeah that's really about it (laughs) but I, i bring i bring a little you do. The... You do. Mm-hmm. A certain, I don't oh, yeah. know what. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and we're uh, obviously very excited to have you here. Um, you know, I, I do. I do want to ask also uh, because mm-hmm. this is a Beatles podcast. Uh, yeah. What is kind of your Beatles origin story? Do you remember kind of them entering your life? What kind of you know impact would you say that they've had on you and the way you work, the way you write, the way you play? Uh, that's. I- this is why I was so excited because uh, I have not had a Beatles focused conversation um, in this setting in, in the proper venue. So I'm really stoked to get into this with y'all, especially because I know y'all's knowledge is so much more vast than mine. Um, I I started out I was a radio kid, uh, but you know River ninety nine point five and Cool ninety five point seven yeah. were the classic rock stations in the nineties that I used to listen to with my dad and. Um, we, you know, the Beatles didn't come up a lot. I'm trying to think. When I think about those stations, it was like Creedence mm-hmm. and Doobie Brothers. Like Zeppelin. Like a lot of, lot of Zeppelin, mm-hmm. Creedence, Doobies. Um, so I didn't really get into the Beatles until I was in, uh, I was in Boy Scouts. And the Boy Scout troop, the culture of the Boy Scout troop, it was a lot of uh, dads who were born in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their kids who were born in the 80s. So this this group, the pervasive, the currency of the group was music from the 60s and 70s. So Pink Floyd was huge. Um, and there were a lot of Beatles nerds as well. So I remember meeting the Beatles and discovering the Beatles, uh, riding in the van to go to like backpacking trips in southern Mississippi or go tubing up in... Um, can't remember the the springs near the, baton rouge the, the bogachitta 
the boga yeah. yeah like <laughs> so the like just listening to the <laughs> listening to the uh to the 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 soundtrack a lot of a lot of um beatles and a lot of the records like a lot of the albums because mm-hmm. this is tapes and cds um so that's where i started i was given a gift the beatles one album when that oh, came yeah. out the yeah. compilation and then i i spun that thing to to pieces i listened to it a lot um but then that also was a weird way when i got to college i would um i would i would learn about the albums and the value of listening i remember reading an article about revolver being mm. like, okay so some people think this is the first album ever made to be an album i was like well i need to listen to that in order if i'm going to be a music man so I, I fired up revolver it was all right i liked it it was cool and then i said let's listen to the rest of these so um i i, I there was a time when i had a burned disc of uh the white album that was just in my car for like an entire summer and so um those are data points of me coming up with the Beatles in the past. I mean, I, I remember out of curiosity watching one of the movies, mm-hmm. um, and it was uh, Hard Day's Night. Yeah. And, and they ran a lot. They did. And they were like heavy <laughs> smokers, which is a lot of running, <laughs> like in one door of the car, out the other door of the car, like very like physical comedy mm-hmm. and John and John being a smart ass. Yeah. And, uh, and just, and just funny, funny moments like that. I mean, I um I went to this this work thing in my old life that brought me to a hotel in uh, Mid Beach in Miami, uh, and it was an old hotel that had had its prime in the '60s. It was called the Fountain Blue, mm. and there was a stage there that apparently was where the Beatles played and practiced right before their appearance mm-hmm. on Ed Sullivan, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, uh, or maybe they, it was right after. Well, because they they when they first came, they did Ed Sullivan in New York, and then they went and played in D.C. Then they went to Florida, where they huh. did Ed Sullivan again the following weekend. And during that few okay. days they had, they rehearsed um, at that hotel, which I think at the time was called like the Doville or something like that. And then it became the okay. Fountain Blue. And they recently uh, tore it down. There was a big campaign to try to save oh, it because sad. it has yeah. this historical significance but unfortunately that effort didn't succeed but yeah cool yeah i mean i remember taking a picture there and just being like (laughs) (laughs) uh so yeah those are i don't know those are some of my my beatles points uh in in the past yeah those are great uh yeah can you kind of point to any ways that you would say you know they've influenced your your music the way you write the way you perform the way you think about music uh, I think they have in terms of, um, especially at the Sergeant Pepper era, like in the song we're going to talk about, um, the whimsy mm-hmm. and just the playfulness um, mm-hmm. and not fearing deceptively large arrangements for songs. I think that's something that shows up a lot in puppy songs when I yeah. make stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I when I think of when I think of a bass line, just in terms of inventing a track and putting a track together. Um, I have to back my way into rhythm as a piano player. I, I can cover a lot of things, but when I think about a proper bass line, I, my spectrum in my brain is what would a tuba play, which is the simplest thing, and then what would Paul McCartney do? <laughs> you know, he's a do 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 boop boop boop. Like he's 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 bouncing, but he's groovy, mm-hmm. and he and and the the Paul McCartney grooves are something I think about a lot with uh, with bass lines. Um, and, and the way that he doesn't fear, like, I don't know, simple chord moves on a piano because he busts out a lot of piano stuff. Yeah. Um, 
th those are some of probably the biggest influences. I, uh, I'm not, I, guitar is not my first language. So I, I, I have mad respect for all the awesome George guitar stuff. Mm. And, um, you know, so, but I, it's not, it hasn't influenced me like mechanically, so to speak. Um, but John's songwriting is, is pretty, pretty awesome too. So I don't know. Those are all different. Yeah. All different, uh, influences over the years and paul's kind of one of the og puppy song guys like mm -hmm. i don't know that he wrote the first song about a dog but martha my dear is about his uh his english sheepdog from the white album so that's uh -huh. kind of like original puppy song material yeah. right there that's awesome i didn't know that until you mentioned that yeah. in, in your email earlier today i was like is that about a dog now that yeah, i think man. about it <laughs> so that's so cool that's yeah. awesome if you ever see pictures of them you know it's kind of that white album period and there's a whole bunch of photos where he just brought the dog to the photo shoot. They were at, I think they were cool. like in his backyard. He had, he has like a geodesic dome in his backyard in London, which is like bonkers that you have that. Uh, but it's like a glass <laughs> dome and it has like a platform that would rise and they would hotbox this platform and just hang out. And they took press photos in there and it's the four of them and this gigantic sheepdog. That's Martha, the, uh, the sheepdog. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I think if you're up for it, man, let's turn our attention to this week's song, shall we? Uh, friends, coming in this week at number 116 is Lovely Rita. as told by Paul at least, is a bit of a confusing one. As he sometimes will do, he's told the story of the song differently over the years, so it's a bit misleading. In his biography many years from now, he told author Barry Miles the song came about after first hearing the phrase meter maid, a phrase that at the time wasn't really used outside of the U.S., especially in London at the time, as parking meters weren't a widespread thing. They started to, I think they just started getting parking meters in, in London in 1958, and it was just kind of like a minimal thing. So he claimed it was something written as a more tongue-in-cheek thing, uh, you know, thinking that the phrase was interesting and knowing that people tend to not like parking attendants, as he called them, or meter maids. So instead of writing an anti-meter maid song, he wrote a song about loving a meter maid, which seemed to be a bit more clever. Then sometime after the release of Sgt. Pepper, a London-based meter maid named Meta, M-E-T-A, Davies was interviewed and claimed that she'd once written a parking ticket for Paul McCartney outside of Abbey Road Studios and was still at the car when Paul came out and saw the ticket. She'd signed her full name on the ticket as there was another M. Davies attendant, 
and as Paul read the name aloud, he, he said it was a great name. Would she mind if he used it in a song? Now, this story could be total fabrication, and I'm not sure if her name is actually pronounced Meta, like the Facebook company, or Meta World Peace, the basketball player, or if it's Mita, which obviously rhymes with Rita. And also, let's be honest, in 1967, Paul was known to get around with all kinds of ladies, so who knows if this is a true story or not. But then in 2021, in his book, The Lyrics, Paul states that there was actually a meter maid that he'd seen who he based the song on. She was, quote, slightly military looking. He says, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but those meter maids were never very good looking. You never heard somebody say, God, that's one stunning parking attendant. (laughs) I love that quote. He claims he wrote the song based on an observation of her with her little white book, her cap, the bag across her shoulder. But again... Who knows if this is actually true or not? Uh, so the Beatles are at about the halfway point recording the Sgt. Pepper album when they start working on this song. Now, John is on record in his 1980 Playboy interview crediting the song totally to Paul. Uh, now, the original lyric sheet, which you can see in Paul's The Lyrics book, shows the lyrics are totally handwritten by John. So it would appear that they actually worked together on this. And the lyrics, coincidentally, are on the back of an invitation to the Million Volt Light and Sound Rave, a January 1967 event for which the Beatles recorded their still unreleased infamous Carnival of Light track. So recording began on February 23rd, following a, mix- a mixing session for a little song called The Day in the Life. Maybe you've heard of that one. Oh. Um, <laughs> eight takes of Lovely Rita were done with Paul on piano, John and George on guitar, Ringo on drums, with take eight being the keeper, uh, including the ending, which was an ad-lib uh, vamp that the band figured would probably end up being faded out. Uh, after everyone left for the evening, Paul set about overdubbing his bass part. As had become practice by this time, adding the bass last let him take the time to figure out what worked against all the other parts of the song and let him really find a part that complements all those other aspects. Uh, This is really when his playing kind of skyrockets to a whole new level also. Now, the next day, Paul's lead vocal was added, and they set to work adding the backing vocals, with Paul making a point of telling George Martin he wanted to come up with something that sounded like the way the Beach Boys might approach this song. Um, additional vocals were added to the ad-libbed ending of the song, as well as homemade kazoo parts with toilet paper woven through band members' cones. Uh, some weeks later in March, during the sessions for the song Getting Better, uh, in which John inadvertently doses himself with LSD, uh, after checking out for the day and taking a seat in the corner just to watch the proceedings, the other Beatles uh, worked on what would go in the solo section of Lovely Rita. After spending a few hours on a guitar solo, which apparently left all parties uh, frustrated, engineer Jeff Emmerich suggests a piano solo, which is eventually played by George Martin. The song is released in June of 67 on Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, was never performed live by the band, obviously, but Paul added it to his set during the Out There tour, which ran from 2013 to 2015. So why do I have Lovely Rita at 116? I've always really liked this song. It stands out really nicely on this record in that it's one of its more unusual subjects. Obviously, it's about a meter maid. Even as a kid, when you hear this, you think, what would make you write a song about a meter maid? Um, now, this is kind of this, this is part of this nice stretch in 1967 where Ringo, as a drummer, really starts to kind of sit back on the beat and groove really hard. Songs like this one, songs like I Am the Walrus, Flying, and even Christmas time is here again, uh, where he's getting you know a bit funky and slinky, and his hi hat kind of does this breathing open and close thing that's really really cool. And he's not just using it to keep a beat, but he's really playing it in a more musical sense. This all really appeals to me. Um, Paul's bass part has always been a real standout in the song. 
it goes all over the place. And because of the beauty of technology and the internet, it's out there on the YouTubes. It's all in all its isolated glory. Highly recommend you check it out. Uh, super, it's super percussive and it's just all over the place, but all in the right ways. The backing harmony is just superb. Uh, you know, when John and Paul and George do three-part harmony, it's always great. But when their intent is to go up against something the Beach Boys would do, it has that extra oomph, and it's just killer. Um, I love the little asides in it throughout the track as well, the kind of like the chugga-chugga-chuggas, the groans, the spoken bits in the background. All just adds such a cool ambiance to the song. It really sounds like they're having a lot of fun making this song. It's got a really great energy. And I love the humor on the lyrics, too. Like the line, I tow your heart away, in a song about a romance with a meter mate is brilliant. <laughs> uh, and the final verse is just a favorite. Got the bill and Rita paid it. Sounds like Julia and I on our early dates when I was just a broke college kid. Um, but I really love the line. I took her home. I nearly made it sitting on the sofa with a sister or two. He's getting blocked by Rita's sisters and now just awkwardly sitting on the sofa with them. It's kind of a brilliant ending to a story about a cocky guy who tries to score with a meter maid. Uh, but what an absolutely absurd thing this is to write about. And I love that. Uh, I think it's just a great song that probably has a bit more Wings DNA to it in that it, in its playfulness than people might think. Because with Wings, he's definitely more willing to go out into that playfulness than he is in a lot of Beatles stuff. But all in all, I think this is a great song. I'm a big fan of it. Matt, I throw it to you. What do you think, my friend? First off, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, Thank you. <laughs> I just learned so much because so much of the so much of what stands out to that song to me are the things you, you just mentioned. The uh, the baseline, first of all, uh, the way that that sits and plays. If you listen to it, I was listening to it in headphones right before I came on. It's panned really interestingly yeah. like i don't remember what was where but there's a lot of space um before you know gradual stereo but the uh the bass line's awesome i i love that it's silly i love you had a phrase what would make you write a song about x that <laughs> right and that that's why when when i found out i was gonna do this one and talk about this with y'all i was excited because what a weird challenge that is to breathe life, excitement, energy, and build a narrative around something that feels mundane, if not negative. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the interaction with a meter maid, um, I think about, I don't know, I, I, I imagined it had to come from a moment in which a meter maid was thought of either with or without the name, like you described. Cause when I think about songs and I think about hooks and I spend a lot of time thinking about hooks, especially for like puppy songs, which is, I can relate to, why would you write a song about something so specific? Um, well, dogs are great. Meter I, maids are not. So true, true. We've got more, we've got more fresh powder. Yeah. Um, but like, but the, the idea of, I, I call them walking around hooks. Mm -hmm. Like if you can, if you can sing a hook, uh, that just exists on its own. Lovely Rita, me too, mate. Like there's almost kind of a fury to that. Um, and it's, and there's a natural shape of the language there. There's like a natural lyrical shape there that fits with the melody. Um, that's just a good song because a song and a hook is just melody and lyrics. You don't get anything else it really. I mean, it all helps, but like the hook just feels like something you would walk, especially when you think about the pace. Well, so let's say you ran into the meter maid and then you're stepping 86 BPM, 88 BPM, just kind of walking down whatever road, Abbey Road in London. And like, lovely Rita, Rita maid. I can picture that. Like, yeah. I'm jealous of that because that <laughs> just makes sense. It's a walking around hook. 
Um, and it's imbued with so many just amazing, like ornate elements in that arrangement with like John's vocal percussion, I guess you want to call it all yeah. the, all the little things he added. Um, it's a fun one is the other thing. It's totally. a fun one. It's, it's very, it, I, I, when I was listening to it, I was like, this is very Sergeant Peppers. It's very playful. It sounds like they're having a good time. Um, it's probably why many people, if that was how they were introduced to the Beatles, were like, this seems odd. Like it might, it, it might <laughs> not be something that some people appreciate just because it might just feel like a novelty thing. Yeah. Um, whereas so many, so many other kinds of songs they produced over the years could connect, but this is a, this is one of those. Um, I don't know. Those, those are some of the things I was thinking about that walking around hook and, and just, and just treating it honestly. Mm -hmm. Right. Like not just be like not being like, oh, we need to make it more serious. Maybe that meter maid is up against something heartbreaking. <laughs> no, no, it's not Eleanor. He's trying Rigby. to go on a date with her and the sisters are there on the couch. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know that that I appreciate this. The just the full treatment and detail given to something so specific mm -hmm. because I don't know. You have to decide. Are we going to really go all out on this or not? Yeah. And and they did. And uh, I don't know. That's what stood out. It's it's very Paul. I did not know that George Martin played the piano. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. He apparently they there was a you know, George George Harrison was spent a few hours trying to find a guitar solo. And I the gist I kind of have gotten is you know if he didn't have an idea going into something because he, he was a composer. Like he would write out his, like he would really compose a guitar solo. And if he okay. kind of got thrown in his lap, like, Hey man, come up with a solo. Let's go. Like that was mm -hmm. not usually where he's at his best. Um, okay. So apparently they spent a lot of time trying to figure something out and everybody was getting frustrated. Um, and also by this time, Paul's playing a lot of lead guitar. So I'm sure like egos are moving and tensions are a little high. So Jeff Emmerich says, why don't you, they apparently got into it. And Paul said, well, Jeff, what the hell would you do? And he goes, well, why don't you do a piano solo? And Paul went, well, fine. Why don't you play it? And Jeff Emmerich was like, I am not that good a piano player. Um, <laughs> George maybe <laughs> George Martin could do something a little better than I could do. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think the idea of the, of the walk around, the walking hook, the walking around hook is really intriguing because I feel like that's really a Paul thing because he's like the guy who's like, always coming up with songs on the spot and singing little things yep. and just making things up and whistling. And you just, mm -hmm. there's so many songs that we've gone over where it's like, Paul went for a walk and came up with good day sunshine on a beautiful morning. Like, cause yep. that's literally just how his brain works. Like he's just doing that all the time. And that's just, that's yep. such a skill. You know, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I relate a lot to that. Yeah. I relate a lot to that just in terms of constantly being habited, inhabited by, um, by little moments. And then just like the, the lyrical quality of language, just getting spit out mm -hmm. being like, ah, oh, that would be a hook. Like, even if it's something mundane. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's fun and it's different. And I, um, I know I was seeing something lately, like TikTok has been serving me interviews, uh, or just, summaries of interviews from John having less than positive remarks about Paul's contribution to the discography over the years mm -hmm. and kind of being dismissive of, yeah. of those throwaway songs and those little like playful, whatever, you know, I think the, it was attached to the, all you ever did was yesterday, whatever that quote yeah, was. Yeah. Um, but like, I think, I don't know. I think there wouldn't, there wouldn't be the balance and breadth and stories without the, you know, 
without the the, t- the tunes like this one. A hundred percent. You know, they're they're very much a a light and dark, a yin and yang combo. Um, and there's definitely a time where you know John is very quick to dismiss anything Paul did, especially if it wasn't like a super serious song. Like Lord knows he, you know, had his way with you know your Maxwell Silver Hammer and Obladi Oblada yeah. and things like that. Um, but I I do really think that without that balance and those ways, especially songs like like Yellow Submarine and Obladi Oblada, where that's how a six year old learns the Beatles. And then it's yeah. already connected and then eases their way into the catalog over the course of their life. That's how that music kind of keeps its cyclical nature and just keeps re-upping yeah. every generation. Um, there's the, you know, there's something for literally every, every, you know, every, every mindset, every person, you know, can find something in that catalog. And that's so rare. Like that, yeah. the, not to pick on anybody, like the stones don't necessarily have that. Yeah. Like they don't have those, they, that playfulness is not their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the kinks kind of have that sometimes, but their stuff tends to be a bit sadder and a bit more downtrodden. Like their stories, yeah. uh, like it would be like lovely Rita meter maid goes home to her house, you know, and cleans the floors and, you know, has no friends and, <laughs> but it's a beautiful, you know, day on the, like would, yeah. you know, the, the, the kinks, like just, it's just a different mindset. And Paul's thing is just, is very different. So yeah, I think you're spot on with that. Um, it's interesting hearing the uh, thinking about bands that are perhaps too depressing. Like I, a band I love as much as I'm talking about how much I love joke songs and I make a lot of joke songs. I love the National, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, what if the National had a song like that? Like it would be completely, <laughs> it would be completely. But yeah, when uh, whenever I am listening to the National, my wife's always like, this is that like depressing just kind of droning thing. And I'm like, yeah, but it's awesome. Like, you know, but like they would never, they would never have lovely Rita. So it's nice to have like those refreshing moments for the year. And I totally agree for sure. Yeah. I mean, what if John's like left to his own devices and we just get like a whole record of like revolution (laughs) nine and like their entire fan base is like, okay. And we're done here. (laughs) Right. We're checking out. Now also like there are definitely times, one thing I was reading, I was reading when I was researching this was there was an interview, I think in 65, uh, where Paul says, you know, he and John think the future lies in comedic records. Now, Brian Wilson also said the same thing around the same time that he, after doing Pet Sounds, he was saying, well, the next record's going to have these comedy bits on it. Like, mm. comedy and music is is the future. And while it's not necessarily comedy, it's more like bits of humor within the narrative. Mm-hmm. So, like, for John, it's Norwegian Wood. You know, like, he goes home with a girl. She says, you know... She asked me to say it. She asked me to stay and she told me to sit anywhere. And I looked around and noticed there wasn't a chair mm-hmm. or like, you know, uh, he, he goes to sleep in the bath and then he sets her house on fire in the morning and she leaves. <laughs> like, that's the joke. Um, you know, and that's kind <laughs> so of so funny. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an it's, it's an absurdist humor moment. Yeah. Um, Paul's thing is, you know, it's a meter maid and he's trying to go home and sleep with her, but he gets blocked by her sister, you yeah. know, like. That's the joke. So what you're saying is that the Beatles walked so Adam Sandler could run. <laughs> Without the Beatles, we don't get the Thanksgiving song and the Christmas song. Yes. All those classics. The Hanukkah song. Oh, the Hanukkah song, yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Lunge Lady Land. Oh, oh, God, what so would we be without Lunge Lady Land? It, Come on. Yeah. Sloppy Joe. <laughs> slap, slap Me and Sloppy Joe, Joe got married. <laughs> 
got six kids and we're doing just fine. <laughs> what do you think about Lovely Rita, my dear? I'm going to need a minute Sorry. to think about <laughs> Sloppy Joe. the music industry's journey from Lovely Rita to Lunch Lady. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got a gold record for that album, too. I certainly bought that. So good. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, so Lovely Rita, um, it's a it's pretty cute for a song about a cop. about a cop (laughs) yeah um i you know as a funny aside i'm i'm sort of surprised that like the meter maid lobby hasn't picked this up and like done a commercial out of it big meter maid big meter maid hasn't like picked this up and like done a commercial like you know how like in some movies they'll like take a like a super hot person and like make them ugly Mm -hmm. and then they do like the change like i feel like they would put someone like a really ill-fitting like meter maid costume with their hair pinned up and then they do the like taking off the cap and the do like the slow mo like hot model hair <laughs> wave thing, and like meter maids and like lovely Rita's playing in the background. I can totally envision that. I don't know why they haven't gotten onto this, and maybe 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 big meter maid doesn't have the money. Oh <laughs> yeah, they might licensing's have expensive. Money. Yeah, yeah, they, they need, need, they need the, the pack money for the meter maids. <laughs> um, I think. Working the phrase "May I inquire discreetly" into a song is pretty fucking talent. amazing. Yeah, that's talent. <laughs> like, what a random phrase to just like fit seamlessly into a song. Like, yeah. how random? Um, but I love it. I also love the the toe line. Tell your heart. Tell your heart yes. away. Yeah, so brilliant. Like so goofy, so brilliant. I love it. Yeah. Um, I I think. You know, this is kind of landing in one of those like, oh, it's fine. Like, it's it's cheerful. You can, you know, bop your head along to it. But I think I have like a little bit more of an appreciation. I really love what you said, Matt, of like what a challenge to take like this mundane profession and write a great song about it that's like, engaging and fun and good and to not only take this like mundane thing and sometimes negative and like make it joyful i'm like oh well you know what okay maybe i'm not thinking about this hard enough like that's a really good point i i love that you see it as a challenge and he's obviously successful because it's paul mccartney yeah (laughs) so and it's good so i i think i i think you guys have changed my mind a little bit i think i like it a little bit more than i thought i did Thank you nice. for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, to kind of expand on what you're saying, I think that's really an interesting uh, kind of difference between John and Paul is John's definitely one of those writers who, like, waits for the muse to strike. Um, mm-hmm. And when when mm-hmm. his back's kind of against the wall and he needs to produce songs if he doesn't have something, then he can find something, you know, like – uh, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Like he yeah. saw the poster and the words worked and he kind of figured, figured out a way to make that into a song. Um, yeah. And so he kind of needs to find those moments of inspiration. And Paul is more of a craftsman. And I think to some extent gives himself those challenges of, you know, how can I turn something mundane into something joyful? How can I take five disparate parts of music and join them together into one cohesive thing? Um, and I think that's yeah. just a difference in how they work, which is one of the, another thing that I think makes uh, the catalog so interesting is they come from so many different places, you know, especially when you get to like the white album where, you know, Paul's writing, you know, everything from birthday to Obla oh, Dio, oh, blah, da to Martha, my dear, 
to I will. I mean, he's all over the place, you know, and and mm-hmm. like it's just just a whole different world the way the two of the, the way the two of them work. I think my own thoughts, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I thought was really interesting, uh, George Martin said because you know when they started recording the record, the first two things they did were. Uh, Strawberry Fields, well, not the first two, but two of the two of the first things they did were Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane, and then mm. the label kind of forced their hand to release a single because there had been no product since August of '66. So they released those two as a and single. When is this? August. Of this is February of '67. Oh my God! <clears throat> <laughs> it was the first time Jeez. they didn't have a new record out for the Christmas market, for the holiday market, <sighs> and wow. so. Uh, they had like I think Capital had released a uh, like a greatest hits thing like or no there was a UK one uh, they did like a, like a greatest hits compilation it was like a collection of Beatle oldies oh boy in 1966 <laughs> <laughs> come on man um, Jeez. yeah so um, so they kind of forced their hand into Rush releasing a single so they released Sergeant Pepper I'm sorry they released Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane okay. uh, which originally were intended for Sergeant Pepper's. Uh, so George Martin says, you know, had they not done that, uh, lovely Rita and probably when I'm 64 would have been the two songs to have gotten cut in place of these, in place of the, of the, in place of those two songs, uh, which I I think, you know, that's always kind of a fun debate of like, what goes away if you put strawberry fields and Penny Lane onto Sergeant Pepper. Um, but God, it totally changes the vibe of the record i think if you do that it makes it a way heavier record you lose those kind of playful joyful moments that make it what it is it's not all just like psychedelic seriousness and you know super trippy everything there's moments of you know these kind of fun throwbacks and things like that that really kind of play to the moment i think at that time so i think that really would have changed the whole record i think it would have made it a very different record i don't know how well, I shouldn't say I, I, I shouldn't say that. I I can't envision how its reception would be compared to what it is now. Mm. Yeah, it would be very different, and I don't know in what way. Not that yeah. I think people would think it's bad, but it's just a very different album at that point. It's interesting yeah. how two songs can change a record that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Well, and it tells too, like the. Um... I don't know, future records would mix in novelty songs for mm-hmm. Sonic Breaks, which uh, it's like putting a plate together. Um, I think it's interesting when there's like when there's sweet treats, they're best served in dense, small quantities. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if other parts of the of the balanced diet might be able to be a little bit broader, like a good like a good veggies or something, like, you know, like, a, <laughs> like you have to you have to you turn the dials for the shape of a record. Um because it, I don't know that it definitely those little those little tweaks influence the total you know uh, impression of the complete work for sure. And that's and that's uh, but but yeah, it wouldn't be the same without the playfulness. Because I think I mean I don't know the catalog end to end super clearly, but I know ultimately we're still headed down the road to Abbey Road mm-hmm. with just all the little mini interstitials and all yeah. the little you know Her Majesty's pretty nice girl and. All those little songs, which kind of still they stick as part of the identity and the interplay that we've been talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, like a, like a, a sonic palate cleanser, so you can get ready to digest the next broader concept. Mm-hmm. You know, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so with that in mind, at one sixteen out of two hundred and twenty three songs. 
Does this seem to be about right? Do you think it may be too high, maybe too low? What would you think? If you were to undertake this foolish uh, task <laughs> of ranking this catalog. I think it feels a gut check, just a quick gut sure. check, yep. gut response. Mm -hmm. I think it feels, I think it feels reasonable um, because I think there's different kinds of value in different kinds of songs. It's like mm -hmm. what sends you into a, a thoughtful renaissance, what is very confusing and noisy and what is uh, huh, cool, but not the greatest entertainment value of all. I think this could kind of be, this feels right. Just like on the broad sorting list, maybe yeah. not being able to zoom into a, a, a individual number with confidence. Um, I think, I think it feels adequate. I, I well done. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, think <Thank> it's, <laughs> I, I think it's right. I don't know. I, it feels good to me. Um, I can think of a, a number that would be ahead, but definitely number that I'm glad it's ahead of. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Julia, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I feel good about the placement. Yeah. I, I don't think that I would move it too much. It's like, in this sort of lower end of the middle, mm -hmm. kind of we're getting closer to. Well, no, we're on the bottom end of the middle. Sorry, I'm thinking that. it could maybe Take be a few higher. I don't know that I would fight you on moving it a few higher. Yeah. As in like closer to better. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I probably wouldn't fight you about that. Yeah. And that's one of the challenges with this is like, you know, my thoughts and opinions now versus when I made this list two years ago or three years ago uh, uh, are very ago. different. And, you know, they, you know, what, with the song that you want to hear, especially with the Beatles, you know, your favorite song can change because the weather changes, you know, it's very different. Right. So, but I'll, I'll leave it for now. Maybe when we do the, the great reassessment in a few years. Oh boy. <laughs> That's what I'm calling into my head. The great reassessment. I think it's, I think it's a sneaky one. I'm just thinking about like if there's a if there's a novelty song batch among like clusters or the pie chart of all the Beatles discography. Mm -hmm. It's it's a complete song. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about like pop structure, like it opens on the chorus, good well, it opens on the in like intro, but then it comes in on the chorus, like good on you. That's how everything starts now. Yeah. A lot of things are changing toward that. We don't have the patience for intros right. and <laughs> Verses and pre-choruses uh, all the time, at least, and then it has that outro. It has verses. I mean, structurally, it's it's not like a random, like twenty-two second thing. It sounds like they accidentally caught on a microphone in the studio mm -hmm. for an interlude. It's it's more of a structured song. It doesn't st tell as big of a story as Rocky Raccoon. You know, it's not a <laughs> it's not an epic narrative. Right. But at the same time, but at the same time, it's. It's got all the parts. It's not to be dismissed, you yeah. know, as a like, well, that's just kind of like mumbling, you know, for sure. It's I think it's it's definitely got merit in that. That's a good point. I, 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 I'm with you on that. Well, I think we've done good on this one, y'all. I'm proud of us. I feel good about it. Woo. Episode 100. We did it. High fives, everyone. Well done. Uh, before we wrap for the <laughs> evening, um, do you have time for some rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's rapid fire. Our 100th rapid fire. Will you re okay. will you reprise the rapid fire theme song? I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, I forgot. Ah, uh, I was it. just like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. 
You can do it. Don't make me do it. You Nobody wants to hear it. Come on, bring it back. Just I don't this one remember time. Remember exactly what it was. Rapid fire. Oh, so you did it. I don't need to but do it. But it's better when you do it. No, I prefer it when you do Nobody it. Nobody wants to hear it. Come on, one time for episode hundred. Rapid fire. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> All right, Matt Hobbs, your favorite Beatles song. I like how you make me do like the only non-musician here. You're like sing a dumb song. <laughs> I like when you sing. It's oh my, my favorite God. sound. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. All right, Matt Hobbs. <laughs> Your favorite Beatles song. And it can be if you have an all-time favorite or it can just be your favorite today. I ha- It's the favorite of the moment. Uh, I is uh, Hey Jude stands out to me. Yeah. Um, I had the opportunity to perform Hey Jude, oddly enough, at a Chinese New Year uh, celebration when I was in Gainesville. And it was one of the rare, most, rare moments in the big theater there where about 2,000 people were there as a part of this variety show. Um, I don't know why we were in there. I think we were in there because the band was sitting in with a, a, an artist who, uh, a singer who was from China. We supported them. And then we got to, they said, do you want to do another song? And I was like, yeah, let's do Hey Jude. That's crowd pleaser. But it got, <laughs> it got like 2,000 people singing along at oh, the end. Yeah. And um, that was one of the most profound moments I've ever had on stage. Um just to be just to be able to proffer that song and and have people come together to do music and and when people sing together i think it's the best thing in the world mm-hmm. uh it's mm-hmm. like it's it's all it's all i want uh when music brings people together so like when i think about beatles song in a memory that's one of them but i've had so many over the years yeah oh, that's a good one that sounds great do you have a least favorite beatles song i don't know the name of it uh, but I don't. I don't really like that. I don't really enjoy extended dissonance. Sure. Um, it it just doesn't sit well with me. It's a headphones off. I can't sit. Um, I think it's the one where they say good morning a lot. Good morning. Good morning on Sergeant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, doesn't it kind of go wild at the end? Yeah. You get all Maybe the not. animal noises mm-hmm. and. Yeah. Yeah. That one. That one. Uh, that's one I can think of. <laughs> that, that, that's totally acceptable. Yeah. Uh, Where was that one ranked? Where'd that one rank? Uh, ooh, do I, let me see if it can, uh, we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, you know what? I, I okay. Don't, I don't have the list in front of me, but we haven't gotten to it yet. I do enjoy that okay. song though. Um, <laughs> but also, as I as I say all the time, there are no right or wrong answers yeah. in ranking yeah. the Beatles. It's all personal opinion. Uh, your favorite Beatle album? Uh, I'd say I'd say White Album. Yeah, like it. That's yeah. a good, good, solid choice. <laughs> it's a good album. It's a good album. They, a good they album. did all right. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty decent. Um, who's your favorite Beatle? Uh, I like Paul. You're a Paul guy. I relate to Paul. Yeah. Um, I'm inspired by the others, but uh, I, I, I think about my favorite artists are are the ones who make me want to pick up the instrument. Almost with a frustrated competitiveness. Just that's just how my brain works. Mm-hmm. And Paul, Paul brings that out in me. Oh, 100 uh, percent. And in, in an inspiring sense. Um, and like I said, I have my for each of my instruments that I either play or feign playing. I have my, um, I have my examples in my head of like what would what would what would Paul do if I were doing a Paul McCartney <laughs> kind of baseline thing. He's one of my people. Yeah. Um, like another one, for example, not related is like whenever I'm playing Hammond. I always say, "What would Ben Montench do?" Oh yeah, uh, he's the one for that. I, yeah, it's like it's like there's that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, but Paul is in my in my band in my head um, when I think about instrument uh, instrument proficiency and then hooks and writing and just when a song is bigger than um, 
when you know it, it's bigger than just a piece of poetry it's this cohesive hook musical lyrical thing that just sticks with you mm-hmm. which is what i what i try to do so yeah that's a long answer for paul I love it. I love it. I would have been completely shocked had you not said Paul. I would have been <laughs> okay, like, good. I'm sorry, you're a liar. And because <laughs> this is all very Paul McCartney that what you do. Like it's, I, I mean, the first time we heard my tongue's hanging out a little bit, like <laughs> days, we we're just like walking around this. My Damn it. <laughs> I, just stuck just I, right in I the will brain. S- I will tell you this. When, when we, the first time we saw it and then we went down the rabbit hole, uh, one of my bandmates uh, has been my bandmate now for, I don't know, 12 years. One of my closest friends. Uh, and I texted him a link and I was like, man, we went about it the whole wrong way. This is what we should have done 12 years ago. <laughs> and in my head, I was like, man, I could do this. <laughs> I even looked. I was like, I wonder if there's a dog song and I'll just overtake it. <laughs> and I was like, you can't do that, man. Yeah. We've got to collab. Guy. We've got to collab to. on something for your pups, especially oh the ability to work remotely with oh, having I would love recording to. setups. I, that's one of my goals. I would say there's pros and cons to having started this way or at least being anchored in this way because um, it's very solitary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's also been difficult to kind of like cross over into proper songwriting. That's why I'm working on now more Matt Hobbs stuff. Like, mm-hmm. All right, dude, this sounds like a bunch of 18 second TikTok songs. I'm sure they're very catchy. <laughs> we make records. <laughs> we make records here. We're making hits like, here. All right. Buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I would love to collab with y'all. 100%, something. man. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, him, really. I have, again, <laughs> no. zero musical I'll, talent. I got nothing. <laughs> I'll, I'll challenge. Challenge. Yes. Uh, because because the real magical stuff comes from the the real anecdotes, like the real like, like nicknames for the thing, okay. uh, the the moment, the play, the energy, the lyric. Like it it can be in it already, and so many times that's where it comes from. So like, okay, the truth fair. is not in in seeking some esoteric musical excellence that Jacob Collier would like all that like it's the honest it's the honest musical lyrical playful or sad moments that happen in life that's the biz i mean we can try to add a flat ninth if you want but like i don't think that's going to make anybody happy that's not going to make anybody happy yeah you know there might be some schmucks in boston who who nod a little bit and be like oh yeah oh, great choice but like ah, they're talking about I've you. Never... He's talking about you, Bottle Beatles. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. Love you guys. <laughs> there's another. There's a Beatles podcast that we're friends with that are out of Boston. <laughs> I'm sure they're awesome. I'm sure they're awesome. That's just my tirade on how like like bust down the like the musical excellence thing. It's real human shit. Is yeah. Where is That's where it fair. comes from? If nothing else, you can always clap. You Ooh. can. Yeah. I'm a good clapper. Give us one of those. Yeah. Totally doable. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm in for claps. I'm I love in for it. Claps. <laughs> Last one is your favorite yep. memory associated with the Beatles. A favorite Beatles centric memory. Now granted the Hey Jude one is pretty great. So if mm-hmm. that's your answer, I totally get it. I would say it's it's that um and then uh just an anecdote, a picture in my head is being on the trails in in Boy Scouts. Um picture another walking in the town like so yellow submarine yeah. singing yellow submarine and uh eagerly waiting for the call and response part uh with the boy scout troop 179 from the um 
from the fire station on Jefferson Highway on the way to Kenner. <laughs> oh, um, cute. That, nice. that, that, that was that was a um, pretty core Beatles memory, uh, and it was uh, yeah, Yellow Submarine. Love so. it. Oh man, that's great. Well, Matt, this has been an absolute blast, man. Uh, please let our listeners know all the things that you want to let them know about Matt Hobbs' music, about puppy songs. Where can they find it? Where can they download it? What can they do to support it? Uh, well, I appreciate the opportunity, and this was just awesome getting to hang out with y'all and talk about Beatles and music and New Orleans. And this is just this is great. Thank y'all. Thanks, first of man. All, appreciate it. Thanks for, Thanks for doing cool. it. <laughs> I um I have I have yeah the puppy songs if you like uh, silly songs specific things about life with a dog celebrating life with a dog with music puppy songs is there um, TikTok Instagram Facebook um, it's on Spotify we have a number of the hits on Spotify and more coming soon um, it means a lot when folks stream stuff on Spotify that kind of helps legitimize it on the music industry side to where we're not just like. Um, you know, music supervisors don't always check TikTok, but they tend to look at mo- monthly listeners on Spotify. So that yeah. helps uh, for sync opportunities and stuff like that. But uh, so that's out there. Um, and then, you know, you can go to uh, we have a Patreon for puppy songs. It's great when people support it. But I always say it's not required. I'm just grateful for people's attention. That really, really helps. Um, and then on the Matt Hobbs side, I'm firing that up this year. Um, that's I have some big things coming. Um, so I have a single coming out in April that I'm working on the music video for okay. right now. I'm doing a whole music video. It's wild. Um, we filmed all day here on Sunday at my house. There was the lighting crew got here at 5:45 in the morning on Sunday, wow. and I had a show. I had a show the night before. Uh, so it's been it's been wild, but it's cool, yeah. and it's going to be really cool. I'm very excited about this song. There's more Matt Hobbs songs coming soon. April. So, MAT, do you have a date? No date yet. Flexible. I'm not gonna. Okay. It's, it's probably gonna be toward the end of April. I'm not gonna um, schedule the date until I have all the assets in hand. Okay. And just kind of really make sure I get it right. Um, but it'll be it'll be in April, probably late April. I'll tell you, the song's called "How Amazing." It's like a positive pop song, like celebrating. Just, it's a happy song. Yeah. Um, so I'm really really excited about Love that. Love it. Uh, and so Matt Hobbs has music on uh, on you know. Spotify, Apple Music, and uh, you can follow at Matt Hobbs on Instagram or Hey Matt Hobbs on TikTok, uh, and that's where I post. I post covers, and I'm going to start posting more of the stuff I'm writing. I'm trying to figure out how to build that, and um, and I'm just excited to share more songs. There's also a Matt Hobbs YouTube. I don't know all that to be said. And if you're in Atlanta, if you're in the Atlanta area, I play, I'm a, I'm a musical improviser at an improv comedy theater here called Dad's Garage. Yeah. So if you've ever seen the show, uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Laura Hall, Linda Taylor on the piano and the guitar. They're over there. That's my gig. So I play nice. the keys during an improv show. And so when they improvise songs, I make up the songs. So I play there at Dad's Garage. Definitely go see a show at Dad's Garage nice. um, in Atlanta. And that's that's a that's a good chunk of it. There's yeah. other stuff in the cooker, but that's um, I'm just grateful for for folks' attention and for and for the opportunity to get to hang out with y'all. I love it, and, and I know talk you, about the Beatles. I saw you did a Puppy Songs live show a few months ago in New yeah. York, right? Yes, yes. Any more Dropped of those in, in the works? Did a, did a solo show in New York in November. Got, starting to work the bugs out. I'm about to start workshopping that here in Atlanta in April, uh, and then I'm planning to take it on the road where I can pull it off yeah. um, 
cities. If if you want to see something like that, message me and I'll 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 see if I can add it to the list. Right now, Chicago, L.A., um, Baltimore, D.C., and probably New Orleans are on the. uh, If you need a band, holler at your boy. Oh. Be careful, because I'll call. Dude. We'll, we'll do it. <laughs> tell me what you need. Uh, guitars, bass, drums, backing vocals, whatever you got, man. Sweet. Well, I will hit you up uh, to figure out how to make a show happen yes. in New Orleans, because we have a, a handful of folks down there, and I would love to just play a hometown show. But, For sure. Yes, shows are coming soon, and I'll post updates on those um, once I figure out how to do it. <laughs> Wonderful, man. Amazing. Well, everybody, go check out Matt Hobbs' music. Go check out Puppy Songs. Give yourselves a good smile on the face and uh, and enjoy yeah. it. Matt, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Thanks so much for uh, taking some time to uh, to hang with us. Uh, it's been a joy to get to meet you in person, and I hope we get to do it again in IRL in the, in the near future. That would be awesome. Thank you so much, Jonathan and Julia. This was a blast. For sure, man. And give our best to, to Lenny and Marpup and ma'am. <laughs> Will do. Ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. So I love it. Matt Hobbs, everybody. So much fun. I really enjoyed that. That was great. What a good dude. Yes. I uh, I enjoyed chatting with him. I feel like it's the start of a good relationship. It's We're going to be the pals. Joy. Bring yeah. in the joy. <laughs> also, I'm just, I just I want to hang out with Lenny and Marpup at some point. Ah, you love dogs. If I could facilitate them meeting JoJo and Maxwell, it'd be cool. Mm. But I don't think JoJo would be. He'd be too defensive. <laughs> JoJo hates everyone. He hates everyone else. That's not me. So, uh, Friends... <laughs> What do you all think about Lovely Rita at number 116? Are we too high? Are we too low? Or for the hundredth time, are we just like Baby Bear's porridge? Just right. You know it. Uh, Let us know in the comments, wherever you are listening and following along. Uh, If you're looking for us on Facebook, you can find us on there at... Ranking the Beatles. If you're looking for us on Instagram, you can find us there at Ranking the Beatles. And if you're looking for us on Twitter, we're over there at Ranking Beatles. Yes, yes, yes. Let your friends know what we're doing over here. If you are enjoying the show, we would thoroughly appreciate a a nice multi-star review. We would thoroughly appreciate a four or five star review. Whatever the most stars you can. Would Don't, be great. Not, not a four star. I want a five star. Well, not every platform offers five. Some, oh. some just offer four. So, I, so I'm saying whatever the most stars possible or okay. the most thumbs up or whatever their highest ranking is, we would really appreciate that. Also, it's just nice to know that you guys are enjoying what we're doing. Um, please make sure you check out RankingTheBeatles.com for all your Ranking the Beatles needs. Uh, t-shirts, cell phone cases, um, Rank Your Own Beatles poster sweatshirts if you're in non-tropical climates like we are um yeah that's it guys episode 100 man i can't believe we did it we did 100 it. episodes thank you all so much for joining us on this silly little journey we got a whole bunch more to go so uh looking forward to it um that's it for today we'll see you next week with a brand new episode until then i'm jonathan and i'm julia this has been ranking the beatles adios Bye.